As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. And I'll just match it up later. We don't need to do the clap thing. Okay. Cool. I'll do I'll do a quick intro and then do like a into the music thing and then we'll pause for a second. We'll go. Hello again, Broncos Country. And thank you again for listening to another edition of the Orange Weekly Podcast. This is a special edition, uh, by week slash what is going on with the Broncos edition of the Orange Weekly Podcast. I am joined by Matt and Kevin, and we are going to have a great time today, so sit back and enjoy. All right, I'm joined today by Matt and Kev Dan. Thank you guys so much for joining today. How you guys been doing? Uh, great, man. It's uh, it's the bye week, so of course it's no football, but uh, still plenty to talk about. No football, man. There's like you know 16 other games going. There's on no right. there's yeah. no football that's <laughs> there's no football that I'm like gonna sit down and be really really into. Oh, okay. There's no football that's going right. to take and, years I, off my life. Let me put it that way. Got you. Yeah. yeah, yeah and, we, yeah. And, and we're recording this on a Friday, which was is the day after the Oakland San, that's the Oakland LA game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I caught myself. I caught myself. It's been uh, like two Oakland, years. Come on. It's been like three and they're moving to London apparently. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so which the day after the Oakland Los Angeles game. And so basically the only AFC West game that we get to watch is Kansas City. Um, so that'll be interesting i guess and then the rest of the league so that's pretty cool yeah i mean Kansas City's so playing who like uh titans yeah someone they're gonna oh, beat most likely and mahomes is back. he's back so that's yeah. gonna be the thing to see how he does um i'm sure he's gonna go out there and throw how many ever touchdowns bionic man it's yeah okay. pretty much he's gonna be looking like he never got hurt to begin with so yeah exactly right all right well guess what it it's the broncos are not doing so hot wait and what? i think I don't have to say that with, for this people to, to understand. Never, this is we've new. Been what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, all right. I, <laughs> I understand that the statement seems silly, okay? But I have to say it. But I, this is what sucks. It's three years in a row of me mm-hmm. having to say this. And why, why am I saying this, guys? Why, why do I have to every single year since we started Orange Weekly? Maybe it's us. Don't say that. Somebody else said that the other way. Don't say that because we're going to stop for a year to see if that happens. And guess what? It's going to go great. And then we're going to be like, well, we don't want to jinx the team. So, no. It's not us. We we love doing this. It's not us. If you're listening (laughs) to this, it's not our fault. (laughs) That sounds like a a Survivor episode of Orange Weekly. Everybody joins in. We vote somebody out. Until the Broncos start winning. We've got to figure out which one of us it is. 
Let's give me David at the end, just him alone doing all the. No, shit. as as founder, <laughs> as founder, I I I have the right to uh, be the judge and kick people off. Okay, <laughs> because revenue you know that we kick you show. off first. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I claim the right. Right. <laughs> I <call dibs. laughs> right. so, 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 the right. I call dibs. All right. So 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 at what point in the season, guys? What at what point in the season do we think we took a hard left turn? Ooh, uh, week one of preseason. Whoa. Oh, well, that's early. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. A hard left turn. You mean like uh, man, when, when did it start early. going wrong or when did it start? I want to yeah. say what? I want to say what going we, wrong. Uh, at what point did we start going wrong? Yeah, I That's say a good uh, question. when we went 0 and 3. I think even when we were 0 and 2, it was there was still hope. Like, okay, it's you know we're only two games down. Like, you know we can rebound and 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 whatnot. But once we hit that 0 and 3 mark, I think that was kind of the players got in their heads that holy crap, we're 0 and 3. Um, you know, we'd lost to not only the Raiders, but the Browns and Green Bay. Uh, and it just kind of, after that point, I think it was partly mental and just, I think everyone kind of felt it like, oh, did we see where this is going? You know? Yeah. Matt, what about you? Other than the first game of the preseason? (laughs) No, I'm thinking it's, it's hard to tell really where like things started going wrong. But, um, honestly, I think it's when we got Joe Flacco, like, you know, if I'm really going to look at it, I mean, Flacco is so like... Like he can only do really one thing. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, you know, uh, anyways, whatever. He's just he's just very linear. You know, Joe Flacco that's stands in the pocket and he throws the ball and that's it, right? There's no like sort of dynamic sort of innovation coming from him. He's not trying to step up and, and extend the play. And it, I just don't think he fits the offensive scheme of like the Shanahan influence West Coast stuff. So if I'm being honest, I think it's just Joe Flacco isn't the right fit for the offense. And we went wrong when we picked him. Yeah, I agree. I think I mean Flacco's past his prime. We're talking about, and and I say this on the on the Tuesday uh, Bourbon Broncos and No BS shows. We uh, he's too. You're right. He's too linear. That's a really good way to put it. And I think he's a little bit past his prime. We have a we have a league of nothing but great athletes. These guys are yeah. excelling and and athletic and can do new things that guys ten years ago couldn't do. So I think he's a little bit past his prime. We went out and got him, hoping for another Peyton Manning situation, but obviously that didn't work out. And that whole the whole experiment has really just gone awry, and I think we're paying for it. Big time. I think a big part of what's going wrong with this Denver Broncos team right now is not something that we control in this year. I think it's something that was controlled three years ago, four years ago, and two years ago with our draft classes. I think I think missing that part – I mean, look at our, our top tackler in, in our middle linebacker, Johnson, one of our starting corners in Harris – like all of these guys, I mean, Chris Harris, we know was undrafted, but that was a long time ago. But a lot of our guys that are our leaders on our defense and our leaders are, they're not drafted guys. These are guys that we're picking up because we need a, a position filled and our defense is what's doing the best. Our offense are these guys that we're picking up and it's just not, it's just not coming to fruition. Like the, these guys that we picked up in the draft three years ago, all of them are gone. Mm-hmm. These guys we picked up in the draft two years ago, most of them are gone. And now we're stuck with these guys. Basically, we have last year's draft class and this year's draft class that we're kind of holding on tight. And right now, those are the guys on offense, especially, that are really excelling. I mean, Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant between the two of them. Philip Lindsay undrafted from last year. And Dalton Reisner, I think, is the one, the biggest light. Those are the biggest lights of our offense so far. Kev, what do you think? Yeah, no, uh, you're exactly right. You know, filling in these pieces and it... There's the arguments of Vance Joseph, you know, those two years really held us back. Um, and we can see just, you know, with several, several of the player, players between Simmons and I think it's Jackson, you know, they're, they're 
the pro football focus has graded them the highest rank, you know, in their position. And they both really struggled under Vance Joseph. Uh, but some of the things I've, I've probably repeated 20 times now, I th- still think some of it goes back to John Elway's uh, mentality of win now, win now, win now. And so we go in free agency and pick these players up to hopefully just put a bandage on what's going on. And then we're not picking up any of those positions in the draft. So we're getting these players that are older, maybe not working out as well with their other teams, expecting them to do better here. And they're not. And I, I think if John Elway would just have that mentality, you know, even two years ago, of you know what? We are not a win now team. It's not going to happen. If we can try to get eight and eight, great. But we are, this is not the time for us to be in this win now mode. So if we work on building the team from essentially scrap scratch in, in some sense, uh, we can build this up. But for the time being, we're not a win now team. So why are we trying to find these players in free agency to, I guess, put us in a position where he thinks we're, you know, we're capable of winning these games, but we're, we're just not. But I, 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 going back on that too, and in defense of John Elway, I know a lot of people aren't really in defense of John Elway right now, but in that moment, it looks like the best option, doesn't it? I mean, we have we have a pro or we have a, a Super Bowl MVP uh, edge rusher. At the time, we had Shane Ray, who we picked up in that terrible draft, and he's no longer with us. And we thought he was going to be the other side, you know, t- taking over for Demarcus Ware. Uh, we had Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas. We had these pieces in place to be able to win now. And it kind of all comes down to the quarterback position, which we'll get into here in a little bit. And, you know, Matt mentioned the Flacco situation earlier. But ultimately, if you're looking at it at that time, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, right? right? Exactly. If you're looking no, at it yeah. at that time, like, was was it a good point to say, hey, let's win now? I think maybe the win now moves that he made just didn't pan out and it's kind of starting to hurt him a little bit. Right. So, Matt, what do you think? Um, you know, that's a really interesting question because I've honestly thought about this like all season. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious as to why Elway makes the choices he makes because, Jared, you're right. And, Kevin, I think you're also right. Yes. I think that, you know, there's been <laughs> – he's, um, he's not used to that. <laughs> I, I, know, I, I threw him a bone there, Jared. Like, um, no, I, honestly, I think like, Jared, like we had, there's a lot of really good pieces, a lot of veteran players, right? Like Peyton Manning chose to go to the Broncos for a reason. There was a good – core group of people there um and i think that john elway's tenure as gm started at a really good time and that peyton manning became available right away so i think that he's looked insanely good as a gm because of that hire because manning was there for like four years right um and you know two super bowl appearances one win you know we know the story so i think elway has you know it's like a, a like a bias almost right we kind of like elway for that reason and we still believe in him but really you know, he his first quarterback decision was one of the best ever. There's you can't build off that. You know, sort of Kev points like there's no foundation built of the quarterback position. There's no foundation built with the offense really. Now there is with Lindsay and Reisner and Sutton, like, you know, even Fant. Like there's there's really good players right now on this offense, right? But the quarterback you choose is Joe Flacco. That's an interesting pick. You know, like it's it's kind of trying to do too much. He, he's not aligned, right? He's trying to fill a gap with a veteran quarterback right. and trying to rebuild the offense. On defense, there's a lot of aging veterans right now. We're close to having to rebuild the defense right now. And he's not injecting the veterans we need there. So instead of paying all that money to get Flacco as our veteran player, why not go get like a C.J. Mosley? Mm-hmm. You know, why not yes. go get somebody who can make a big difference on, on this defense? Akib Talib was apparently available. You know, for a fifth-round pick, why not go get him for a fifth-round pick? Why, you know, there's so many different things. But we, we, 
the emphasis goes on that veteran quarterback position. Maybe it's because the rookie quarterback position didn't really work for him. But of course, you know, like T- Osweiler and, uh, you know, who's Lynch. Simeon. And it's just nonsense, right? So it's like he can't really evaluate quarterbacks. He can't get his, like, you know, his sort of philosophy right on the entire team if he's going to rebuild. He's trying to do two things at once. And at this point, he's just kind of looking like stale. You know, he's not a bad GM. He's just somebody that, you know, his time has come and I think it's just gone. Like for the organization to thrive, we need change at the leadership position. And until that happens, you're just going to keep seeing eight and eight potential Broncos teams because it's just always going to be the same sort of like, yeah, we're trying, but we're not. You know, it's it's right. weird. Like, um, yeah, so that's but what I, I so, think really. So I'll, I'll take that and I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate now. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, he did screw up a few draft classes he did screw up a lot of quarterback situations in this including this Flacco one which I feel like in the last two years was really his biggest mistake was this Flacco situation but these last two draft classes have been major hits absolutely right so now are we thinking maybe it just took him a little bit of time to learn his lesson or are we thinking oh yeah he's just done for and he kind of kind of got a lucky swing no, I think once you see two years in a row uh, and the, the effect these players are having on the team immediately, it, it's I don't see that as coincidence. Last year, we all kind of sat there, I think for the most part, and said, well, this is awesome, don't get me wrong, but was this just luck of the draw? Uh, but two years in a row now, I think you know he's really shifted from just looking at pure athletic ability to, okay, this you know take Brock Osweiler, for example. Yeah, he had a hell of an arm, and he's a you know, big and tall guy, but his leadership capabilities, it just it wasn't there. And so now when you're looking at these players and what they bring to the team you know, off the field, you know, how, what, what is their work ethic? You know, how do they do in school? Do they really you know, apply themselves across the board? Do they try and make themselves a better person? Do they try and uh, just hold up the team in, in that leadership sense? And those are the players that we want to bring on. They, maybe they're not the very, very best. Maybe they're just a step below that. But these are the guys that are going to absolutely work their butts off no matter what. So I, I think that, that has a huge part as to why the, the drafts have been working, and I think they're going to keep working in, in, just for that reason. And that's the Belichick mindset, honestly. Well, like, it works. That's 100%. I mean, <laughs> how many wide receivers have they picked up from, the, from Albertson's checkout line? No, like, <laughs> guys that you've never heard of before, and they're just hard workers. They want to be there. They want to work, and they want to work hard, and, and that's what it turns out to be. So this is a good transition to, into the quarterback talk, right? So we, we talked about these last two draft classes being amazing draft classes. We took in the second round, and people thought was a steal, and we wonder why he dropped to the second round. We actually got him after Dalton Reisner, which I absolutely love because Dalton Reisner is killing it out there, and I, I think he has a really good chance, if the Denver Broncos were doing well, to being offensive uh, – uh, rookie of the of the year, but with Drew Locke, is this how do I put this? Is this going to be a swing and the miss for Elway? And how does going into how we play him into the rest of the season play into what we have next year? Because this year's draft class is very very quarterback heavy with some mm-hmm. good quarterbacks that people think can be really good franchise quarterbacks. Is how we played Drew Locke, and, and I kind of already know the answer, is going to play into what we do in the draft as far as the quarterback position? Well, I think it's it goes back to how like he started the season. You know, like The first news I see about Drew Locke is fans are saying that he's not a real quarterback or he's just not a quarterback or something. So it's like right away you could tell the trust wasn't there. Locke in the draft process was like, who are the other good quarterbacks this year? Murray and Haskins. That's it. Right? right. And there was just nobody else really. It was a very it weak quarterback a class. So like Locke was like the number three guy sort of 
because there was nobody else to you know to be there and he was talked about in the first round and i think it was just hype and then he went you know early in the second which i think is decent value because the guy has yeah. played four years uh, as a starter in college like he is a decent quarterback but it's starting to look like a sort of josh rosen rosen situation where we just kind of saw it there and we just took the gamble and he never really lined up with the culture or anything like that right because going back to what, Kev, you were saying, like, you know, I think you're right in terms of Elway getting better at drafting. He's drafting the person, not the football player, right. which is what ultimately you have to do. You can teach somebody how to be a football player, but being a person is out of your control, right? So I think with Locke, I think it was a case of let's draft the football player because look at the potential value here because he was hyped up as a first round and we've got top of the second, like, uh, if we don't get him now, we won't get him. And OK, let's pull, you know. The, it's, we're, we're human, right? Like, of course, it, it sort of it happens. But, you know, I don't know. I think if, if we get an early draft pick this year, we got to go for one of these young guys. Like, it's going to be another one like the year before where, you know, Dalton Mayfield. Uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, not Dalton. Darnold, Wentz. sorry. Mayfield. And then, you know, the year before. So it's like there, there's going to be a lot of opportunities here. And if we don't pull the trigger on one of these guys, then what the hell are we doing, you know? Absolutely. It's, I, I'm kind of, you know, I wish I could go, we could go back and see what the plan for Drew Locke would have been had he not been IR. Um, <clears throat> and if that would have changed anything whatsoever, uh, maybe it wouldn't have. Uh, but at this point, you know, I don't know if it had been better to go back and, hey, if we weren't committed to this guy, could we use that second round pick on somebody else? Uh, or were we saying, just like you said, Matt, hey, the, you know, he was supposed to be a first round pick. Let me see. Let's see what we got with him. And now that you know, maybe, yeah, like I said, he didn't fit the system or whatever. Now we can get him those two games at the end of the season to kind of show the rest of the NFL what his potential is to use that for, for trade bait to get uh, some draft capital. Uh, I think at this point, if we were committed to him being the starting quarterback next year and really investing in him, he'd be, he would have been playing literally as soon as the, the doc cleared him to, you know, practice and he'd be on the field as soon as possible. But that's not the case here. And uh, it just, it, to me, all signs point to we're, we don't plan on holding on to him, and we're going to, uh, I don't know what the Flacco plan is, maybe we won't talk about that, but we're going to draft a quarterback in the first round and, and get rid of Drew Locke. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to tend to agree with you on this one. Just A, what Matt said, what you said earlier is about the way that Vic Fangio was talking about at the beginning of the season didn't hold a lot of confidence in who he was as a quarterback mm-hmm. or who he was as a person. And now this situation where everyone's super confused and why we haven't activated him yet, even though they say he's healthy, there's a lot of confusion. And I think it goes back to that confidence in him as a, as a true number one quarterback. And that's everybody wants him to be that. And everybody has faith like, oh, next guy up, next guy up. And honestly, if, if the coaching staff's not thinking he's going to be ready, I don't think he's ready. If they thought Flacco was ready... <laughs> And they don't yeah. think this guy's ready. You know what I mean? Exactly. It, so, it just there's no there's no confidence in him absolutely like at all. Right. It's as if they just drafted him. They never consulted the coaching staff, which is just you know. Wait, and, and remember, out. so so we drafted Dalton Reisner, and then the pick after Dalton Reisner, we traded up to draft Drew Locke. Yeah. So, so re- there was yeah, reached we reached. Him. I mean, we kind of knew obviously is a second round, and we needed kind of a backup quarterback next to Flacco and. You know, what we found was actually pretty good. But I think you're right, Kevin. I think I think this draft class, where it if we lose some draft stock here is towards the end of the year, which I'm never, ever going to say tank. I would never, ever no, say that. No, if no, we no, can no, finish no. out the year, win out, I would love that. And even if we end up over 500, I would rather that than get an early draft pack. But if we do, this, this quarterback class is deep enough to find, and this is my take of the whole thing, a leader. 
The problem with Osweiler, the problem with Paxton Lynch, the problem with Trevor Simeon, the problem with, honestly, Flacco, is they're not leaders of men. And, and Matt, you've said this millions of times on our podcasts. You need a leader of men. And yeah. right now, we haven't found it. We haven't had that since Peyton Manning. Peyton yep. Manning loved his offensive line. He loved his receivers. Those guys went out for dinner after every game, and he he just had a good time with them, and he was a leader of them. When, they, when he spoke, they listened. And I don't think we've had that since that. Everything that we've had up until this point has been a quiet, tall, lanky dude who can throw the ball pretty far if he wants to. And that's yeah. all we've got. And then we had Trevor Simeon, who's just a quiet guy who gets back there and gets the job done. And, yeah, he got a few wins here and there, but what is that when you're looking for a franchise guy? And I just don't understand why we've gotten those guys. And and maybe that goes back to the philosophy, Kev, that you were talking about. Maybe in this draft class, instead of drafting a great player, we need to draft a leader and who they are off the field and with their teammates off the field as opposed to what they are on the field. Definitely. But the thing is, it's it's so hard to find that guy. It you is. Know? It's, it, we, we sort of take it for granted because, like, the ones that are like that, we just kind of – we see all the time. Like, you know, Andrew Luck was somebody who was like that. Like, he was just as in, in this incredibly lovable, charismatic person that just – you know, people got along with him and he, he had so much confidence. Mayfield's got that confidence. Brady's got that confidence. Right. Like, right. you know, but it's just hard to really find. And in order to find it, you have to be a very good judge of character and you have to ask the right questions. And um, I, I've learned a lot from Pete Carroll over this past year, just listening to him and reading about him and stuff. And one of the his greatest abilities is to just see that in a person. See that right. competitive fire. It's like he's got. It's a gut, a gut feeling almost that people like Elway may just not have. His scouting staff may just not have that. You know what I mean? So it's it's how are we looking at these players? It's really you know the question we got to ask. Because clearly we can find good players. You know the the ones we found these last two years are fantastic. But there's some about that quarterback position that just Elway just can't get right. It's, it's crazy like being such a good there. quarterback. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't translate though. Sometimes you know. Yeah. Well, I can't. Okay, I, I can't tell you this. The the next winning quarterback for the Broncos is not going to be acquired through trade. That's my that's my bet. The next mm. winning wow. quarterback, or you know, where we have a winning team, that quarterback is going to come from the draft. And uh, as the sooner that Elway really learns, and I think we're seeing it in how he drafts, the the ability to see a person's character and their leadership abilities, um, at least level with their athletic ability. Um, that's going to be where the Broncos can finally get back on track. But if we keep trying to find these quarterbacks in free agency as, uh, you know, band-aids, it's just, I just don't think it's going to happen. But what okay. if Cam Newton becomes available? There it is. Oh, there it gosh. is. Good transition. What if? Good transition, what man. If? I know. I know. I, <laughs> I had this written down for like four hours. <laughs> it's on his no, board. Yeah, exactly. No, but honestly, like I totally agree with you. I think the only way to get somebody who's solid is somebody you draft and you, you grow around. You know, you build a culture around. But what if a great one becomes available? If Cam Newton is just open, you know, you, we have to look at it. Newton is just he Newton also needs a bit of confidence. This guy, if he can just get a little bit of change of culture, I'm sure he can get back to a strong form. Like, you know, why not? Like he's still in his prime. Right, but Cam Newton and Von Miller on the same team, can that happen? Of course, man. <laughs> you throw millions of dollars at people, you're amazed at what can happen. It's, <laughs> right. You know, right. And and I you know, we could talk about this Cam Newton thing. I, I agree with Kev. I think 
I think the next winning quarterback for the Denver Broncos is not going to come in, in free agency. I think it's going to come through the draft. But And this will be my last question as we talk about the quarterback. I don't want this whole thing to be about quarterbacks, even though I, you know I would love that. Um, <laughs> this will be my last question about quarterbacks, but what what is the – okay, let me start that over. The quarterback position is a very difficult position to learn in the NFL. The jump from college to NFL is the biggest at the quarterback position, and I think everybody can agree with that. I think the biggest thing that Elway was trying to do and it got really screwed over with the Osweiler situation is draft a quarterback who could sit under a veteran guy for a certain amount of time and learn the ropes from that veteran guy in order to take over, right? You saw it with Aaron Rodgers. You saw it with a lot of these quarterbacks. Garoppolo sat under Brady for a while. All these really good quarterbacks that are playing really at a high level right now came from that kind of mentality of sit under one of these veteran quarterbacks, learn the system, learn how it works, learn from this guy who's done it before and won Super Bowls. And I think that's the whole reason of bringing over Flacco under Drew Locke. And obviously is failing again. Or should we just, just scrap it? Like, let's get one of these top guys in this draft and just start a rookie and just be done with it. Of course, because like, um, like you said, like we you know, usually it's a really hard gap between the college quarterback and the, you know, professional quarterback. But if we look at the recent draft classes, I mean, we're just starting rookies all the time and it's, it's ultimately paying off. Lamar Jackson sat for a little bit of the year, came in, you know, whatever he, he's playing like a beast this year. Baker Mayfield waited a little bit played and he took that team around. I mean, right now the Browns are struggling, but it's, you know, last year they did really well. Exactly right. You know what I mean? Like there's potential there. Like Darnold started right away and Darnold is just, he's got a terrible coaching staff, a terrible offensive line, but he's still like, I just feel like these young quarterbacks are coming in. They're doing stuff. Jared Goff, he, he sat, you know, he sat and he, he started playing. He lost and then he got a new coach, whatever that worked. Uh, Carson Wentz started playing and he just did great. Like, let's just take these guys and freaking play them. They're dynamic. They've got a new edge. You know, they're, they're fresh. These veteran players, like, you know, Really, what can Joe Flacco teach a young player? Right. What can he teach a young player? Like honestly, definitely not reading a defense. Do you no. do you remember? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Joe Flacco commented on this earlier in the year. He said he is not there to teach Drew Locke. He is there to be the starting. Right. So that as soon as he said that, I was like, nope, Drew Locke. Even if Drew Locke is our guy, he is not going to learn anything substantial from Joe Flacco other than yeah. watching him. So you need somebody who's willing to. Hey, they know that they're just the gap filler, but they're willing to do what they can to help, you know, show the, the yep. show the new guy the ropes. But Joe Flacco, as soon as he said that, it was clear that he was not going to do that. And Peyton Manning wasn't going to do that either. Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning because he's Peyton Manning. You know, you right. know what I mean? Like he, nobody can do what he does. So he can't teach how, people how to be a quarterback because he only knows how to be a quarterback himself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's 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 never there to teach Trevor Simeon and Brock Osweiler how to be the next sort of great thing. He's there to win. Right. And he retires and done. Flacco, it's same mentality. If you want a veteran quarterback to teach a rookie, get Josh McCown. Get a veteran to sit on the bench and help your rookie on the field. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you got to flip those roles a little bit. So it's like we'd have to find somebody who's you know literally Josh McCown to come back right. and just sit and help with the coaching and everything. But um, yeah, I think I think and, you're right about this culture thing. This this whole sort of philosophy is just a little bit backwards right now. I've blamed Flacco for a lot of things, but I can't blame him for that. Like you're when you're a quarterback playing for a team, you can never say you're teaching somebody. That I mean that is up know. to the rookie quarterback coming in to learn oh, from yeah. them, oh, not yeah. the other yeah. way around. Right? Oh, you're it's, there to it's, win, you know what I mean? You're there to win. You're there to win games and play as a team and play the game of football. I mean, you're getting paid millions of dollars for it, right? So that that's really what it comes down to. But I think the next rookie quarterback, I think I, I agree with all of you guys, it needs to happen. And the next person that comes in needs to just start. 
Like, get them out there. And even if we have a terrible season, what's, what do we have to lose at this point? They're, they're going to be growing pains. What do pains. we have to lose? They're going to be growing pains. But exactly. we've already sat through three years of growing pains. It's Let's sit through a little bit more and actually invest in the guy. You know what happens after growing pains? You actually get better. You know what I mean? Right, like, we got to right. go through it. Like, it, we're, we're going through it for nothing right now. Like, there's exactly. nothing to look forward to because, like, who, who the heck is Flacco? He's not the future. We're sitting here enduring this, trying to win now. But, you know. Like let's get it. I'd rather be losing and be excited about something than winning than like losing and not being or, or barely winning and and not being. You know, it's just kind of backwards. It's gonna be all worked up, man. <laughs> I think the rest of Broncos I, country's worked up too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not alone. True. Look, this hasn't been an easy year. It hasn't been an easy three years. We gotta we gotta be excited and hope hope for something, right? So oh God, yeah. he, here's we have a, a season. And let's let's talk about what what's going on in this season. We've lost a couple big key players in in this season. We've lost Jawan James. Let's talk about Jawan mm-hmm. James. We got him for a huge deal, one of the top. I think we we paid him as the top tackle in the league, and he comes in and gets hurt. I think he's played a total of like two quarters in the entire season, yep. which kind of sucks. You can't you can't foresee that, right? He got injured before, but you can't foresee him getting injured for the entire season a couple times. You have the loss of Emmanuel Sanders, which. You know, we've talked about it a couple times on this show and on on the um, on the Bourbon Broncos and OBS show as well. But that was that was an equal trade for everybody. Everybody was happy. I think that's exactly what needed to happen. And now you have the injury to Joe Flacco. What of those three on the offense? We can go to the defensive side here in a minute. But what of those three on the offense do you think was the biggest blow to the Broncos? And which one do you think is going to hurt the most? I am going to say Juwan James because the offensive line is in such shambles already that losing Juwan James, one, we're paying him that much money. And I know we, we, you can't blame him for getting injured. You, you couldn't foresee it. But our, our depth on the offensive line is already so, I mean, there is no depth. And so you lose the guy that's supposed to be, you know, hold the right side entirely, you know, and help out the entire offensive line. He goes down. Well, now we're stuck in a position where we, we there's no even there's not an option to cycle out uh, Garrett Bowles, and you just keep having that that liability on the left side there. And I mean, Reisner's great, but I'm sorry, the offensive line is as strong as its weakest player. And as long as right. Garrett Bowles is there, that offensive line is going to be mediocre at best. And so when you know Juwan James going down, uh, you said twice this year playing very little, it sucks uh, because. You don't have a good offensive line. Your running game is going to struggle. Your quarterback's going to struggle. Your whole offense is going to struggle. So I think that's the that's the one that hurts the most from my point of view. Mm, I agree. It, for the same reason, I'm not going to rehash it, but uh, just losing like a good pass protector like Juwan James and somebody who's very dynamic, it's um, – you know, you got to build from, you know, the line back, right? So losing him was uh, definitely the biggest loss, and I think we're still feeling it right now. I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I Like you said, I'm not going to rehash it, but I think the biggest help for all of this is the Flacco situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, help and hurt. Help and hurt at the same time. We talked about all the quarterback stuff, so I'm not going to rehash it, but I think that's going to ultimately make this team better and realize uh, what we have going forward because – and after his last game, after he got injured, as you can, you guys can't see me, but I'm putting up air quotes. Um, as he got injured in this past game, he he just f- went to town on Scangarello on the offensive coordinator. So I kind of want to shift my conversation a little bit to that. Do we think that the 
coaching staff, brand new coaching staff, right? We got him at the beginning of the year. They're all new. Vic Fangio, first-time head coach, and uh, he's calling the defensive plays, obviously a, a renowned defensive coordinator. And then we have Scangarello, first-time offensive coordinator coming in. Do we think the, head, the coaching situation should be talked about at this point, or do we have to let them play it out and figure out who they have? Because as a coaching staff, you come into a situation where you're the – you have this isn't your team. This is a team that you've inherited and you have to work around it and figure it out. Is the coaching staff to blame? Is there any going to be any coaching changes as we see towards the end of the year or do we have to let them ride it out because we can see the the sparks of good from them? There's going to be no coaching changes and I think the only one that even could have been for debate uh was Scangarillo. Uh but we've seen what his offense can do and what his offensive scheme is when you have a mobile quarterback. Uh, you know, Brandon Allen did not play amazing. Uh, he played amazing in the fact that the bar was set so low by Joe Flacco that he looked amazing. But in terms of his stats, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't close to amazing. It was just really, really good. And you can see what Scangarillo's offense is capable of. Um, and then you look at uh, um, Vic Vangio. I mean, the defense, you know, even after some of these big losses, they're still in the, it's a top 10 defense in several different categories. And this is, you know, through half of one season, he's turned this around. Something that uh, Vance Joseph, I mean, wasn't even close to pulling off. Um, right. And so I think that you're exactly, there, there's going to be no coaching changes. This is something that, look, Broncos country is so sick of these coaching changes. I mean, uh, we've got to find somebody that we can you know, hang on to for the long term. And I think this is, this is that coaching staff. Um, We've got to let them learn. They're all new, like you said, Jared. They, they've got to figure out who they are. They've got to develop the team into their team through drafts and you know uh, creating their own culture. And that doesn't happen overnight. That takes several different, you know, several years. You know, at least a couple. Uh, so I, what I've seen from this season already is that it's working. Um, it's not translating to wins yet. They're close, but they're still losses. Right. But give it another year and maybe another one or two really solid drafts, and now we're going to have a conversation of this coaching staff uh, that John Elway hired is was exactly what we needed. No, that's that's good. I thought I agree with that too. Listen, like I think Fangio and and you know he he came into the first year. He's he's trying to do a lot with what he's got. Uh, Scangarello, he's. He seems to be getting a little bit better every week. I mean, maybe we're not seeing it on the points, but I think it's more the players. But I think schematically, like, there's enough adjustments from week to week. So um, they're doing the best they can with what they have, but I think there's a lot of things that need to be moved. I think Emmanuel Sanders is a good representation of that. I think, you know, here's a guy who's just part of two different cultures now, and he just... I don't think right. he was very happy there anymore. So moving him, I think, opens up a heck of a lot more for the passing game, too, because now you're forced to put these new players into different positions. You can really evaluate what you have. But um, I think they recognize that this isn't a year to chase a Super Bowl. Right now, it's all about seeing what kind of players that they have and, you know, really build for next year, right? They're going to get better next year, hopefully, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> we can we can hope. And, and- yeah. Am, I, am I too am I too optimistic to think that because of those three games, we've had three games that have ended the exact same way. You know, last minute drives, yep. they drive down and get a 15 yard penalty to get in a field goal range, kick a field goal to win. And that those three, I mean, that's three games, three yep. games that yep. were close, so close yep. to winning because exactly. of stupid penalties or something happened or whatever the case is. Am I too optimistic to think this is a good playoff option? Like this team could be a playoff team if it wasn't for small mistakes here and there, the death by inches, so to say, that we've been having this year. Or yeah, am I just saying that 
or is that just a, a piece off that we are? Is there a piece missing that we can really pinpoint that really would would take us over the edge to win us those games and now put us into, you know, possibly being in comp- competition for the first in the AFC West? Well, I think that it's uh, not far away because you're right. We're like three, four games maybe from being, you know, for, uh, four wins away, really. I mean, like there's right. four games that we lost by a field goal and a few little things change and, and we're the winners. So I think we're a very competitive team. I think we're falling just on the other side of the win-loss column a little bit too much. And I think it just comes from not being confident in the culture, sort of being stuck in the, you know, the the, the confusion and not really know what to do in cer- certain situations, and um, which comes with a changing and coaching staff you know um i think it's just growing pains at this point and next year when we just are more confident we know more we have more dynamic players and abilities and versatility then you sort of see those wins going in the other direction you know it's it's what we need right now it's that it's that glimmer of hope that uh that we've been dying to see you know the last two and a half years now and uh, I don't want, I, I, I personally can't sit here and say that, yes, because we were almost, you know, we almost won those games, it's going to translate to us doing better next year, but it does lay that foundation. And if anything, it, it you know, over the off season, I, I hope uh, it gives those players that hunger, that drive to say, man, you know, we, we were so close in so many situations. Let's, let's make it so that we're not that close in that, many, in, in that many situations. Let's put these games away. Let's not go out there and have a great first half and then just do nothing the second half. Let's go out there and get up by 14, 17 points and hold on to that lead. And not every game is going to turn out like that, I understand, but it's going to drive those guys to, to get more, uh, be more aggressive and, and get stuff done uh, during the entire game. And I think hopefully what this translates to is next year we don't see us winning those those four or five games just barely, but we're winning maybe three or four of those games by a touchdown or more, where it's not even like one or two points, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's transition to the defense. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. So the Denver Bronco defense, with as crazy of a record as we have right now, is still the number four defense in the league uh, when it comes to uh, yards per game. We are the number four defense also in passing yards per game, which means our, our defensive, you know, we've had some issues, and a lot of them were towards the beginning of the year. We had a lot of issues with Isaac Yadam, but we've really shut down the pass. And But our, our biggest issue, we're number 17 in rushing yards per game, is there something that we could do with that interior line? Is there is there a is there a problem there? Obviously, we had an issue with an injury to Derek Wolf, and we had a couple issues. You know, we haven't been playing Gotsis, which again was part of that one of those draft classes everyone was kind of worried about. Is there something that we need to do on that interior line? Is it as important as some of our offensive woes, or is it something that we can kind of take care of in free agency slash undrafted situations? I think it's um, I think it's the middle linebacker position again, to be honest. Like I think we we just kind of struggle there once the running backs get past the line of scrimmage, which they tend to do because, like you mentioned, there's been you know a shift in players and all that. I think it's really hard to stop because we just don't have the quality inside linebackers, and you know that's another position that's really hard to find. You know, so I, I, right now I don't know who's going to be available in free agency. I don't know who's going to be. Um, you know, maybe the, the next player we can pick up at that position, but it's something that, you know, that needs to be addressed and hasn't been for a number of years, if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but... No, it hasn't. Yep. Um, I think one of the best things that happened this year, I think we all remember when we saw that Adam Gottes was a healthy scratch. 
uh, and we right. moved Shelby Harris to his natural position, uh, and Purcell got the start in, in place of Adam Gotts, pretty much shifting those players around. I think all of us were like, Purcell who? Why are we? Why is Gotts not playing? Why is he a healthy scratch? And since then, I think the you know stopping the run game has been, right. been pretty pretty good. Uh, and so that adjustment, I can we can all look back and say, wow, that was a great decision. Versus just oh, let's just keep doing what we're doing and see if these guys improve. Uh, they said, hey, enough's enough. We're going to make some changes. You're struggling. You know, let's let's move you over here. Sorry, Gotts, we're going to sit you, but let's get this Purcell guy in here. Oh, holy crap, it's working. Uh, and, and so when the coaching staff is willing to make uh, adjustments like that in the middle of the season with you know, at least well-known players who have been starters for a while there, I think that gives me hope in saying that they're not going to be afraid to doing what el- whatever else it takes to kind of shore up those deficiencies. Right. And, and this is, I'll, I'll make a plug for Fangio and, and one of the things that he's done really well and he's, known as a, a defensive genius it, and this is why I mean that's one of the situations the inside line and taking Gosses out and putting some of these guys that we have no idea is same thing with middle linebacker putting Johnson in. who is this Johnson guy where'd he come mm-hmm. from same thing exactly. at corner taking Isaac Yatom out and putting in uh Harris Devonta Harris these are these are the position moves that he's making that he sees where the talent fits and he's putting the people in the right position and 99% of football is making sure the peop- your athletes are in the position that they need to be to make the plays that they need to make and I think that's really what it's coming down to and why we are the number four defense in the league right now. Agreed. I think, I think, you know, Fangio, I think Fangio has just been, uh, you know, he's been doing his thing, struggled a little bit at first but, you know, here we are again the top five defense and I think that's just because he's just such an outstanding defensive coordinator that right. you know that was uh, you know inevitable it's like death and taxes it was going to happen right so <laughs> i i think that if you know if we just keep sort of going the way that it's going like with the culture the defense and the personnel making those changes we need to be made it's it's only going to you know continue to be really good things um you know we're just missing a few key pieces maybe another interior lineman and a middle linebacker and i think that's we've got a pretty solid unit for years to come um just with that that schematic leadership behind the scenes right Absolutely. So let's talk future. Realistically, realistically, this season, is it, it, I mean, I would want to say, I would want to sit here and say there's playoffs options. Like if we win out, we could do it. But realistically, what are we looking at for this? And I would never, I never want to say tank for anything. I would never say that. And I don't, I would never want that. But what is realistically a good record at the end of the year from where we are at that, at this bye week? Man, uh, looking at the schedule right now and, and just seeing the, the next two weeks, um, both that early time slot, Eastern Eastern time games, 11 a.m. Northeastern. Sorry, Northeastern. Uh, on the so we're road. talking snow and cold. And exactly. Oh, yeah, and that's, they, they haven't really played in that yet. Now, the Viking Stadium is inside, but the Bills Stadium is definitely not. Uh, and these are two teams that are doing very well. Um, the, you know, I think we could win against the Chargers, maybe the Texans, but Kansas City – I just, you know, on the road, I don't, I don't see that happening now. Um, and then we got the last two games where you know Drew Locke is going to play, and we got you know the uh, the Lions and the Raiders. So man, I maybe we win two, three more out of those, maybe, um, and maybe we can, you know, depending on what the Raiders situation is come Week 17, you know, if they're already you know locked into their playoff uh, spot, they're not you know playing their starters, uh, then maybe we can go out there and get a end of the season win, but. I, I don't know. It's and you know me, guys. I'm I'm one of the, the I'm the 
top optimist here at Orange Weekly, but uh, just looking at <laughs> just looking at how this is going, I just I just don't know, man. Uh, if we can get three wins out of this, I'm going to be very happy. I'm going to be very happy. Yeah, Matt, what do you think? <clears throat> um, I'm I'm going to think a little bit farther ahead and just like sort of bring it back to what we were talking about earlier. I think everything we've shown right now is just that there's a huge culture issue within the Broncos organization. You know, there seems to be a lack of like unified direction, I think. Um, and I think partially it's because there's a new coaching staff. So we're still trying to figure out what that direction is, but also partially that, you know, uh, uh, Elway just seems to be trying to build two different offenses here. Um, so, you know, I think the future really needs to focus on the, you know, a young quarterback in this year's draft. Um, so I don't want to tank, but I think every game we lose just gets us closer and closer to getting that player right um so you know i, I agree with Ken. maybe three games that'd be fine you know whatever it is we're not a playoff team it is what it is and that's going to put um, us at six and ten so i mean exactly and that's still you know within the top 10 generally and you know not every player every team in the top 10 is going to need a quarterback necessarily so um you know if we can snag one of the top three i think we're in a good position but it's it, you know, it's going to have to happen. And I think we've got a good coaching staff that is going to be better next year. You know, Fangio has, has building a really good defense like he always does. So it's something that's, you know, stabilize the win loss record a little bit. So I think overall, what we really need to be focusing on is like, you know, the, the, the future, future, what kind of, you know, players are we going to need based on what we have right now? And, you know, if we can get a couple wins out of it, great. If we don't, yeah, I'm sorry to say, but kind of great as well. You know, closer to that that franchise QB. Right. I, I think we're in that depressing win-win scenario situation right now. Yeah. Like we win, we win a game. Hey, Broncos won. If we lose a game, oh hey, it's just going to help us as we yeah. go into the draft going into next year. Uh, but that's a depressing thought, really. I mean, it 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 is a sad spot to be in, but we have to be realistic at this point. And there's nothing more that we could do other than like look on the silver lining of everything that happens from here on out. But I do think that we have a good base of athletes and a good base of talent and and the coaching staff to be able to move on as we go into next year to be competitive next year, right? We talk about that win now mentality, but we have the talent now uh, from the last two draft classes and hopefully this next coming draft class to be able to compete at a high level next year. And um, you know, and one of the biggest things is we're talking about this too that I, we haven't mentioned, but I wanted to, to point out was. Uh, as, as Brandon Allen came in and, and, and threw the ball very well, he trusted his receivers. Yeah. And I think that's something that we've been missing. Our, our receivers are talented. They have a lot of talent, and we need to have, a, have a, someone back there that can trust trust them to throw the ball to them and that they'll make the play. And obviously we saw what we can get from Cortland Sutton by by that one touchdown, throw, his first touchdown throw. But neither one of his two touchdown throws came off of like crazy good like threading the needle passes one of them was a great play by Cortland Sutton that probably should have been picked and the other one was a run by Noah Fant who just for some reason was a pinball machine as those defenders <laughs> bounced off of him so uh we just need to trust our receivers and trust the athletes that we have and once we do and like you were saying Matt I think that comes down to what the culture is trust mm-hmm. the guy sitting next to you and, and Matt you know like as well as I do like if you don't trust the guy next to you, the game's not going to go well for yeah. you. If you don't trust everybody, all 11 people that are out there on that t- at, on that field at the same time, it's going to go bad for you because now you're thinking about, oh, this guy's going to mess up, so I have to make up for it. You're going to miss your opportunity. You're going to miss your uh, your appointed place, and 
and that's going to be the end of it. And you're you're just going to it's going to fall apart from there and it's just going to be this negative attitude and that's also something other than the Flacco situation. I really haven't seen a lot from Broncos country the negative attitude, the negative like man this sucks, blame everybody, this is stupid. I haven't seen that, which is a good thing other than Joe Flacco, but I think it's cuz he's an import. He's yeah. not he's not a Bronco. And I don't think he ever was, and I don't think he ever had any intention to be. No, you're right. I think this was just his next stepping stone. Um, and, you know, it's it's really about you, you got to trust the guy next to you at the same time, you know, on the field and off the field, right? Like in the mm-hmm. meeting rooms, in the workout rooms, in the, the parking lot, in the, the off season when you're sort of on vacation. Do you trust that the people around you are putting the work in? You know, are you are we building this organization, filling it with people that are able to come together and, and to just work towards that unifying goal? You know, Jared, you're – you're you're exactly in that in your your lifestyle your work right it's like you right. can't do your job without trusting everybody else around you to a very high degree right and it's difficult to establish that kind of culture but you know i think fangio is showing a lot of signs of it the fact that his defense started so rough and is really coming together is starting to show that players okay they're buying in right they're getting the system and now they, they're trusting their cues and the tendencies and the instincts and it's all coming together right and it just we need the right people in the right place. And again, I think it all comes back to Flacco. It comes back to Flacco. That decision was sort of the, the big left turn for this entire season. And it's because he just never really fit into the culture of what being a Bronco was all about. And um, it just never translated. Kev, what do you think? I, I, don't, like I don't know. He's going to cry right now. No, no, I had. I, I was like, you looked a little <laughs> it's depressed so there. Is, there, so is everything you're, okay? You're like <laughs> the typical optimist in this group, and I'm like the pessimistic. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> I comes yeah, in, I like, nah, right man, you, y'all, everybody no, sucks. Like, they're going to yeah, win round two. one game the rest of the year. Um, and then we're going to find a way to trade <laughs> up into like the number one spot, and it's going to be fine. No, it's. For nothing. We're going to trade to for nothing. Man. So tying to what you. that Again, I don't want to rehash, but tying to what you're saying, Matt. The, the trust on the field I saw that Brandon Allen had with his players, you, you've got to think about the offensive line too. The offensive line did not look terrible, uh, but there were several plays where, again, Garrett Bowles just let the player, you know, right, through, right past him. Uh, but that was mitigated by the fact that Brandon Allen could move around and throw the ball down the field trusting his receivers. So it takes that pressure off the offensive line. And so when we're looking to the future – if we have a quarterback that's that's that ha- that has that leadership ability, is is trusting of his players, um, and is is able to move around, all of a sudden that offensive line doesn't become that number one priority to fix. Yeah, it's still but- something we want to work on, but it's not like holy crap, this is this has got to be the, the number one thing. Um, it so, takes the pressure uh, off of it. You know exactly, what I mean? You know, it spreads exactly. the pressure a little bit around everybody on the offense. Yeah, right. And and so that's what. Man, looking to see what we do in the offseason with the offensive line. I mean, obviously, uh, there's no real tackles in free agency that I've seen that are going to be able to replace Garrett Bowles. So I don't know how we're going to go about doing that if we have to waste another draft pick. I don't say waste another draft pick, but we're in a position now where we probably have to, you know, spend a draft spot redrafting another left tackle. Um, right. And that, that sucks. But at the end of the day, man, if Garrett Bowles is on the field next year, I'm probably going to pull all my hair out. Um, and I've been growing it out too, so I actually can get a grip on it now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this team transforms in the offseason because uh, if we're looking towards that young quarterback, quarterback to, to take over, start leading the team, maybe not necessarily in day one, but as he gets his feet, out, uh, feet underneath him, man, this team could really develop into something that 
man, the last sitting through the last three years is going to be totally worth it because now we're seeing actual progress on the offensive side of the ball as well. We're already seeing it on the defense, which is fantastic. Um, and we continue right. to build on that. Holy crap, we're going to have a fan, I mean, even more fantastic defense than we already have. And our offense is going to follow suit. And that's where we're going to see this team really start coming together. Yeah. And I, and I think I, I just as a, and you know, a lot of people are not a fan of Bowles right now. And I know you were talking about, you know, if we saw on our team next year, he's a really good run blocker, he's a really crappy pass blocker. And that's what it really comes down to. And and the one and the one that everybody's pointing out that he completely missed that block on the uh, on the blitz on the outside, and he was yeah. just kind of sitting there watching him pass by. That was our touchdown pass to Fant. Right. And you know what that was? It was a quick throw for that reason. And again, with Brandon Allen back there and a different quarterback there that knows, oh my gosh, I have some pressure coming. I need to get this ball out quick. It makes a huge difference. And obviously, he should have made that block because he had nobody else to talk to touch. But in in the run game. If you watch some of like for the for example the Philip Lindsay uh, run at the end of this last game, he ran it to the outside and slid down and bounced so he could keep the clock running. Uh, Garrett Bowles blocked two people. He had one on each hand pushing him downfield. So right, we we have we have a little bit of work to do with him, and everybody was expecting that to be a lot better this year. And you know, I know, I know, no, and Mike Munchak's okay, been working okay. with him. How much more? Okay, first off, uh, and and I don't want to get on my you know platform right now. I would rather have a a average run and pass blocker, like you know, in the same person, versus somebody who is great at run blocking, but for three years and half of a season under the best offensive line coordinator coach in the entire NFL cannot get right. his his crap together. I'm sorry, I don't. There is no more time in my book. There is no more time. I'd rather. Honestly, it hurts to say it. I'd rather us draft another player okay. who is average at both and can learn from Mike Munchak because Garrett Bowles cannot. Oh. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> okay, let's take it from our resident. Let's take it from our resident offensive line expert. Yeah, yeah please. Uh, I might, been, I, I, yeah, no, uh, it's, he's he's the the top expert in the NFL for <laughs> offensive line guys. Uh, yeah, Matt, what, what do you think paycheck. about Garrett Bowles? <laughs> um, I think Garrett Bowles is just so undersized that he doesn't have a chance in the running game. And then I think he's got a really big lack of confidence. But I think the Broncos, like most other teams in the league, you know, they just it's so hard to get really good tackles and really good offensive linemen in this league that they take the best they can. And Garrett Bowles right now, it's like there's nobody else really to play other than him. But I, I don't like him. He's undersized to play tackle. He just doesn't really... I don't know, man. Like he, he just doesn't really look like he, he belongs there. To be honest, Dalton Reisner played tackle in college, and he he was you know like he he won awards at his position, and he played tackle. Why shouldn't why can't we move him to left tackle? I'm sure he would excel at that position. Uh, you know, I I've been sort of pushing that for a little bit now, and I think it'd be a great alternative. Um, but I think it's just a matter of offensive linemen are so hard to find that. Bowles is just who we have right now, and, and oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that's really what we have to go with. But I agree with Kevin because I think that if you have somebody who's who can do a little bit of everything, then you're, you you can do a lot more, right? If you get only good run blockers, then your passing game is going to suffer. If you get only good pass blockers, your running game is going to suffer. And then if you get two really good pass blockers and two really good run blockers and then one guy who's just kind of a little bit of everything, you're just going to get nonsense on your line, and nobody's going to be able to do 
everything well. But if you get a bunch of guys who can just do everything to like a certain, you know, degree, a certain standard, and they're equally good at both, you can have that versatility. And the defense is then sort of unsure how to approach these guys who can do both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but the important thing is you got to get five guys that work well together. You know, the communication from the center to the tackle is a hard thing to do. And it, it, you need to have a really good communication, really good group. I think Munchak is the coach to put that in. I just think that, you know, like Kevin and I, you were talking before, uh, you know, before you start recording, like Flacco just stands in the pocket, doesn't move, takes a sack like a bitch. There and it is. So it's just kind of like, <laughs> you. Yeah. I might edit that out. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But, um, you know, so it's hard to sort of, you know, to blame the offensive line for that. And the other side of it, like Garrett Bowles, I mean, like every time I watch the Broncos play, man, it's holding penalty and holding penalty. And it's just Bowles can't get his feet under him. He can't right. stop the uh, bull rush. And then he gets caught up in the bull rush and they beat him with the swim or the rip move. And it's just kind of like he just can't get it done because he just doesn't look like he belongs. He just looks small out there. And it just, you know, it's too bad, but it's just the, the reality of it. Yeah, to this to your point earlier, like when you first uh, started talking about him, you were saying that he's he's not confident enough. I honestly think it's funny because you talked to him and they were doing an interview with uh, Vic Fangio, and he, he they think he's too confident for his actual <laughs> abilities. He's too confident in what he can do to not be able to. But when you're out there, it's different, right? Like right. he's confident, and when he talks, he talks the talk, but he can't walk the walk. And yeah. when you're getting pass rushed, if you are holding, that means you're not confident in the way that you can block him, right? Like and that's really what it comes down to. If if you're holding the guy, that means you're not confident enough to block him legally. It's that, and it's your feet don't move. Every everything comes down to your feet as an offensive lineman. If your feet aren't able to keep up with a defender, if you're not able to put them in that right position, uh, you know you're essentially bracketing that defender with your feet, and all the, the entire time you're with him, he's got to stay. Literally, he's got to stay between your legs, right? And if you can't get your feet there, what happens is your hands overcompensate, and then you get stuck here, and then you hold. You know what I mean? And then they get around you because your feet are under you. So it's like you're, you know, if your feet don't keep up, you can't get anything else. But now the problem with Bulls is that he's just too small. So he doesn't have the weight that at least he can, like, you know, physically get in somebody's way and make it hard for him to go around. So his feet are, too, you know, aren't right. And then he holds as a, as a result. And then, you know, he's he just can't make it up. And then that it just impacts your confidence so you never get out of it, right? Right. Because that's it's you know it's such a head game at that level, so that if you if you just don't feel confident in order to make that block, your feet won't follow. You know what I mean? You have to believe in yourself to be able to do it, and then but it's a vicious cycle, is what I'm trying to say. I should have said right. at the beginning and saved that entire. <laughs> rant, you know, well, we'll be we'll be releasing our uh, how to how to block as a left tackle DVD from Orange Weekly. Uh, that'll that'll VHS, be on Amazon. My man. VHS. Yeah, VHS. <laughs> <laughs> that's DVD. how old we are. That's how we are. Jared, it's 2019, son, man. Nobody watches DVDs. <laughs> what are we watching? Like, your blue, download? Are we YouTubing it? What, how's this? Blu-rays and YouTube. Yeah, YouTubes and, and streamings and right. you know, legal or not legal. Because, right. man, you know, there's maybe on your boats in the middle of the ocean only have a DVD player. <laughs> But like we still got VHS world? players. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, you guys got rid of those last year. I remember you telling me. Right? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah that yeah. and the deep fryers. <laughs> Although that's a good that's a good uh, a segue here. If you guys aren't if you guys aren't following us on social media, uh, Kevin for some reason is trying to get the the hashtag. Uh, anyone but Kevin trending. No, somehow. I'm not trying. No, and that's, he's <laughs> that was my wife, guys. That was my oh wife my that gosh. posted that. It hurts. Oh, wow. It's funny. I think it's hilarious, but because uh, she told you it's funny. That's she well, funny. 
She's watching. Well, she never comments. She never comments. And she watches the show. Never, she never comments. All of a sudden, hashtag anyone but Kevin. Anyone but Kevin. And like, we're... <laughs> well, we're glad we know where she stands on this Yeah, really, pretty much. <laughs> so, but if, if you guys aren't following us on... Uh, we have, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Obviously, Facebook is where we started, guys. If you guys aren't following us on that, we have a lot of sweet content. Uh, David right now is traveling the world with his Broncos beating. He's got Team Puffball going to Rome and Israel and all these pretty cool places. Uh, please follow us on on our on our Instagram and social media accounts. And as always, make sure that you're hitting the subscribe button to our podcast. We we really have grown a lot over the last three years. We want to we do appreciate that and tell your friends about us. I do think we are one of the if not the best Broncos podcast out there, and I think people need to know about it. The only way to, for them to know about it is for you to tell them. So please tell your friends, tell your family, uh, tell your enemies because they might download too. So uh, I think we'd we'd be cool with that too. But um, as we're wrapping up the show, guys, do we have any last words for what's going on with the Broncos now, with the Broncos in the future, or just in general Broncos knowledge that you want to lay down on our listeners? We'll start with Kev Dan. Look, guys, it's it's obviously a painful third year of going through this, but at this point, yeah, a win's great. Um, but for me personally, I'm sitting there watching to see how these young players develop and how they come together as a team and how how does the offense look with a, a mobile quarterback, whether it's Drew Locke or Brandon Allen. Uh, and, and I really believe, like we talked about earlier, with these wins that were or these losses that were so close that brighter days are are ahead you know whether it's next year or late next year or whatever it's not that far away we got the Vance Joseph years behind us Vic Vangio errors here he's building his team he's building his uh, the culture that he wants in the locker room and uh just enjoy football while it's still here I know you know some of the losses might still hurt but uh before you know it it's gonna be off season and then uh man that's about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So just enjoy it while we're here. Uh, you know, we're going to be here no matter what, whether we win, lose, or tie. Uh, Orange Weekly is not going anywhere. And uh, it's just it's, it's good to be on the show with you guys. And uh, as always, go Broncos. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun doing this. And, I mean, whether we win or lose, we're still going to keep doing this. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it is fun. And, you know, it's hard for us to really predict what's going to happen with the Broncos because, like, we're, you know, not working for the Broncos, of course. But yeah. uh, I think at the end of the day, as a fan, you know, it's it's the nature of sports. It really is. And that's the reason why we keep watching. Like, you know, we, we stay fans because we just keep hoping that, it, you know, this is going to be our year. It's the biggest incentive. You know, maybe we're fools in doing it, but it's such a huge part of life and our identity that we just have to keep just, you know, repping the colors and just keep cheering for our team because, you know, the, the day's going to come. We're going to start winning again. And like Kev Dan said a little bit ago, it's, you know, all this time will have been worth it. You know what I mean? We'll forget all this time the minute we're back in the playoffs. And, and so it's <laughs> it's just, you know, it's part of life, right? Keep your chin up and just kind of plug along. At least you're not a Browns fan. You know, oh, at least facts. you're not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, like 40 years without anything to talk right. about. The Broncos, we won two, we've been to two Super Bowls in the last, you know, six years, 20 years that have been dominated by the oh, New yeah. England Patriots in our conference at the Super Bowl. Like the only teams to, to have won a Super Bowl in the AFC other than the Patriots have been what the Ravens and the Broncos. Broncos, yeah. You know, really, when we think about it, it's like, other than Tom Brady, it's been Joe Flacco and Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl for the AFC for all this time. And we've had both of them right now on our team, right? So it's, look, it's just the nature of the game and stuff. It's, it is what it is. So just, you know, keep your chin on have some fun and, you know, whatever. Football and sports, a great reason to just, you know, 
to take yourself out of the mundane side of life and, and just, you know, enjoy it a little bit. Watch a bunch of millionaires smash into each other, man. It's, it's nothing greater. We live in a beautiful era. It really is. A, it's a beautiful world to be able to watch that. Oh, and, God, and, man. And, the, you know, the reason we do this and, you know, every day, every – we have so many different shows that we go on and, and we continue to do this with uh, no monetary compensation, Kev. Um, yeah. Kev. And uh, we, we do this I'm we trying. do this because we love, we love the community. We love the Broncos country. Broncos country, you guys are awesome. The, the interaction that we have with you guys is by far the reason we do this. And, and your guys' support really means a lot to us. So we definitely appreciate that. And as we've said, no matter how terrible we're doing or how good we're doing, we're going to be here day in and day out for you. And I hope you guys remember that when we are Super Bowl bound, <laughs> you guys are still listening to us and being like, these are the guys that were there from the beginning in the Trevor Simeon days. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. so uh, we're here for you guys. And we definitely appreciate you guys listening. And thank you guys so much. And I think that's it, guys. I had a, I had a blast. How about yeah. you guys? Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. This is a good show. This is a good show. And uh, thanks for listening. And as always, we're going to end it with a... Go, Go Broncos. Broncos.